0: We really took magazines, two-dimensional ads, and just pasted them on the internet. But that's not how we live. On offline, things are embodied. They have dimension, they have shape, they have personality. And so the internet is great about information, but it's not great yet about communicating that information in a real-world way.
1: That was Justin Scott, the founder and CEO of Doppel, You'll hear Justin's founder story and how he created a first in market platform that allows companies to seamlessly integrate 3D and augmented reality tools into their brand experience. I'm EJ Brown, co-host of the Growth Stage podcast and senior content strategist at FastBrain. On this podcast, we share stories from global SaaS leaders that you can use to inspire new growth strategies in your own business. Justin, thank you for joining me.
0: My pleasure. Great to uh, get a chance to speak with you today.
1: So let's just launch right in. Tell me about Doppel and tell me how you got there.
0: Oh, good story. So where do you, where do you want to start? I, I think that everything I've ever done in my professional career has kind of led up to Doppel. And there's some things that I am passionate about there. You know, I guess the, a good place to start is what is Doppel? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dopp- Doppel is a 3D commerce platform which is really trying to remove the friction in a low-code, no-code way to give access to marketers and and other groups, artists, designers, to this great emerging medium of 3D. If you've been in the digital game long enough, you've seen video. Even before video you saw the JPEG and PNG get standardized, you saw the costs of those mediums go down. Um, So for the last 10, 12, 15 years, VR, AR has been really buzzy um, but hasn't quite gotten there. But the technology is there, with the power of computing to to actually harness that value, and we need platforms to be able to do that. So that's what that's what Doppel is. What's the there there it is kind of another question you ask. Um, the why visualizing information is incredibly interesting to me, and so I did did early stints at Zillow, Tumblr, and a company called Fiscal Note. All um, in different markets, doing different things in different market segments, but inherently taking big data sets um, and visualizing them in interesting ways um, to create audience, to create experience, and really to connect to um, creators uh, that can express you know, what we call brand storing in an interesting way. So happy to dive into that, but that's kind of what we've been up to.
1: What's your audience like for Doppel or your customer base?
0: Yeah, the the customer base is interesting. Uh, 3D is incredibly flexible. It has incredible utility because it is, in our case, it is the visualization of a product, right? It's a digital product. So the markets that we serve uh, are focused on, our real beachheads, it's in in sports and recreation. Bikes, boats, boards, uh, that's very expressionary. There's a big community around that. Mm -hmm. In the B2B to C market, Right. So there's an OEM creating the product. Um, they're probably selling it online. Uh, most have a digital channel or, or through a distributor. It's really about expression of that product. And that, that's a strong market that we serve. O- outside of that, you've got the D2C players, right? So just the B2C, right? Which is more what I call Instagram brands, right? Yeah. New 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 entrants. Um, they use our technology to compete against what they would call the bigger players. Um, so think think fashion, think garments. And there's a strong use case in B2B, mm. uh, which is hey, we have large large equipment. You know, these are huge investments, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Think trailers and farm equipment that have a lot of base plus options, and that's really hard for sellers on the B2B side to communicate. So we try to serve you know, our ideal customer profiles the best we can, but it's really in that B2B to C. B2C or, or B2B market where they're looking for a technology advantage. And it's usually around communication of their products. Mm-hmm. And we, we like to say that uh, we personify products. And what we mean by that is if you build digital models and you can uh, create features that tell that, that brand story or communicate the product details, which every PDP wants to do, then you create a conversation between that buyer and that object. hmm and that that dialogue starts ultimately self-qualification. And so I, I believe in buyer empowerment. You know, no disrespect to salespeople. I started my career as one, but the buying process doesn't start with a seller. It starts with self-service. And so as we move as we move into that um, the embodied internet, as I call it, uh, I think we're serving um, those use cases for our clients really well. There's a lot of benefits to that as
1: well. I love that. So, you know, one of the things I was thinking about is I'm an avid hiker. I buy a lot of uh, hiking products. And I remember the first time, first couple of times that I saw like videos of the product on Zappos and REI site It was leading me through it. And I could see it on all different angles without needing to go into the shop, you know, and it was so... Oh yeah. Groundbreaking, you know, but but that's even changing and it's not it's not doable for every every product, every site. But now we have things like um Pinterest, the at-home shopping experience, and Google Lens is changing things and more people are using it to experience a product before they buy it. So tell me a little bit about how you're seeing just consumers um expectations change about the online sales experience?
0: It's insanely exponential if you think about it. That's a big question. So I think we got to start with just the, the visual nature of information. So if you if you think about the brands you currently love, high probability they're incredibly visual. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uber's got visualization of maps, and it, it kind of gamifies that experience of the car coming to you. Um, if you look at the feeds that we are obviously obsessed with, there's algorithms feeding us visual information um, in new, interesting ways. And so we we really think about the ability to create that experience barrier free. So let, let me give you a metaphor. If you've ever seen the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's, and, and you don't really have to, I'll, I'll explain it. Uh, Audrey Hepburn is is looking at these beautiful jewels behind a glass window, but all she really wants to do is go into the store and reach in and and and, and break the barrier of that glass and reach through and, and touch those objects. So if you think about the democracy of information on the internet, we want to do that too, right? We don't call up travel agents; we we book it ourselves. So there's there's buyer empowerment. And I think our our ability to deliver those experiences without barriers creates that conversation with the product. So Rashad Tabakawala, who's a, a, a digital prophet, uh, if you follow his work, um, he says the future won't be contained uh, or, or won't be held in the containers of the past. Okay, and I'm going somewhere with this. We really took magazines, two-dimensional ads, and just pasted them on the Internet. Mm-hmm. But that's not how we live. right? In all, and offline, things are embodied. They have dimension. They have shape. They have personality. And so the internet uh, is great about information, but it's not great yet about communicating that information in a real-world way.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So Doppel is Doppelizing offline products and bringing them online, one, because convenience. That, that's where shopping starts. Um, two for that conversation and three for that confidence. So, you know, we're breaking that container, we're removing that glass and we're allowing that buyer to, that buyer to reach through and, and have a relationship with that, that product object. And that's that's a great experience, but chemically in our brains, there's reasons that that's great, mm-hmm. right? It is a creative act for that buyer. Art is the ability to assemble things in, in new and novel ways. Um, and we can do that with product. So I'm a little bit of a geek. I I think that products are beautiful. Machines are beautiful. Um, The ability to create brand storytelling is art. And so if you're an avid hiker, I'm going to bring it around center to you. If you're an avid hiker and an outdoor enthusiast, right, that gear that you buy is an extension of yourself. It is expressive and you spend time um, wanting to understand it. And so it's a better way. It's a better way of communicating. How do I know this, right? Well, you're seeing the rise of video, right? We've seen that in our lifetimes. I think there's there is another way uh, to break down those barriers, and I think Doppel's doing a good job of that. Hope that wasn't long-winded. I hope that
1: no, that's great. So for anybody listening, like this, obviously, if you're not if you're not a consumer-driven brand or whatever, keep listening because now I want to take it back and and talk about what it's like to recognize an opportunity in the market and figure out your place in it so
2: hmm.
1: where were you before doppel and, and how did you recognize that this is this is a thing
0: okay so as i mentioned before i've been really interested in how to visualize information mostly to make better decisions if you make better decisions then usually happy with purchases or, or decisions so i got really lucky early. And I was one of the first revenue employees at Zillow
2: hmm.
0: uh, and Zillow was at the time, this is going to sound crazy. was really good at creating a PDP for a home, right? A home details page and great in creating great visual images to get you interested Interesting. in that home. Yeah. So back in the day, back in the day, this is back in digital cameras, right? Yeah. This isn't digital, digital phone cameras, right? We worked really hard to deliver that audience and it was a lot about, one, high-definition 2D photos. Later, um, with mapping technology, I got really interested in, in virtually walking around my neighborhood. And then I thought, how cool would it be to be able to throw my phone up against a, a house and see into the home? Yeah. And that's, you know, that was visionary at the time. These are all things that happened. Um, and the birth of those concepts or the, the, the ideation of those concepts later became 3D home tours. Mm-hmm. All right. So I got really interested in in, empowering buyers there. The next stop, I I started getting really interested in in network effects. So marketplaces are networks, but I got interested in a place called Tumblr that was really around um, the creator economy Mm -hmm. and giving creators tools. You know, big creators or brands and small creators or consumers like me, the ability to express themselves through largely visual information. I think Tumblr had uh, five or six media types, but I thought, wow, how, how empowering that a consumer through their phone um, can use this technology that I don't quite understand, but I can publish, I can have a voice. And through those creator tools, I can create my audience. And then after that, I got, I got <laughs> more geeky and I thought about behaviors and AI and, and NLP. And we did policy analytics around how people create legislation and regulation and interesting ways to visualize that data. Hmm. The net takeaway there is humans have patterns and it's really hard to diagnose and decide around those patterns in text. But if you can use NLP and AI to visualize that, um, you can recognize those patterns. And so That was really about giving an even playing ground for for companies to to navigate the the policy market. Um, Okay, so what is that all about? I felt like there was an easier way to communicate goods and services online digitally. One thing that we really like is high value information, low cognitive load. We don't need blocks and blocks of text. So I took that passion and was through a friend got connected with a company that was doing visual CPQ, a company called Attila. But that was really for mid-market manufacturers and kind of a small market. And a group of us got together and said, "Hey, you know, you've got a couple of macro events coming. You've got the trillion-dollar industry of e-commerce. It, it's going that way. I think, think the Amazon effect. You got the creator economy. You got the attention economy. Um, you have the experience economy." Right? And we have this technology that we can we can serve to empower buyers better. We decided to spin uh, Doppel out of that lateral and create the Doppel brand. And obviously, that's a hat tip to the mirroring effect of the offline world to online world. So there's a consistent theme throughout my career that, that I'm passionate about um, and Doppel employees are passionate about. But we think we're, especially with AI, we're on the pre- precipice of really a tectonic shift on how we consume information. Again, breaking those barriers.
1: Yeah. Breaking it down a little further, a couple of things that strike me is like, you were able to notice trends across very diverse industries and markets. Yeah. And bringing it back to the the psychology of experience and both the experience you wanted as well as what you were seeing Organizations needed in order to better communicate to their buyers or their audience, but then all of a sudden the the I turned into a we, and I'm really curious about that. Like it sounds like there was a group of you, unless it's the royal we. Uh, there was a group of you that was was taking this opportunity to potential buyers. So who who is that we?
0: Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. So the, it's the initial foundation, right? So let me, let me dive into what I look for, and then that'll, that'll get into we. Okay. What I continually look for in my experience at Doppel is a lot of people say, well, how do you skate to where the puck's going to be?
2: Mm-hmm. Y-
0: you've got to have enough conviction, and the confluence of those factors, those economies that I talked about, all coming together. That's the macro wave. You can't create that. you got to get in front of that. So if you believe that wave's coming, your job is, is to get on your, I'll use a surfboard analogy, create something valuable to float, to create value in that market um, in the short, mid and long term, to be able to catch that wave. Um, and if you do that, magic happens. Think about the wave of the smartphone. Think about the new wave of AI. Um, think about the past wave of the Internet or the browser. When you're doing that, going at that alone is really hard. Also, if you're an aware founder, which I try to practice to be, you know what you're good at. You know know what you're not good at. So it's not a royal we. It is a team of teams we. You got to put good people around you and you got to have you got to start with great investors that believe in your vision. There is a a large leap of faith in any entrepreneur endeavor. Then you got to stack your team to give you a high probability of making quick decisions. Startups are all about breakages and you're either spiraling up or you're spiraling down. If you've got a diverse group uh, around you, then you can, you can mend those breakages quick, quick. And that's when the growth happens.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The, the, we was a couple of us at the old company looking at what skill sets we needed to, to go forward, um, being very candid about what we thought we were good at it and not. And, and slowly evolving into that, Team that we have today. I think you've got to be constantly scaling thyself, getting better yourself, and then pushing others through what we call radical candor uh, to, to get better. Um, nobody does it alone. So for founders out there uh, that have heard the you know, the light bulb moment, I haven't seen that to be true. I've been around some greats. It's a it is a process, not only to build a team but to build a vision and build a strategy to match that vision.
1: Nice. So it sounded like, were were you talking to potential customers before investors or did that happen at the same time?
0: So we had an interesting birth. We had a previous company that was pointed at a different market segment and the visual technology was simplifying the complex in a category called uh, Mm, mm made-to-order. And that means that it is not base plus options. Think piping system. Think gas tanks. It is a a specific spec. There is only one of one of that product, right? So technology can solve that, but the market of ETO is fairly small. What we were really looking at is how do you take this technology and how do you bring it to the masses? for visibility because the the secret sauce is really the data around the interactions between the 3D model. Remember that conversation that we talked about earlier? So there is feedback off that conversation. So if you if you're are you a fan of Mad Men?
1: Yeah. Well some <laughs>
0: well, the 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 metaphor land, the, there's a one-way mirror, right? And they're they're looking at Bobby eats cereal, right? Um, and it's a focus group. Well, if you create those conversations visually, then the the byproduct is data of how that consumer behaved with your product, like a focus crew. Um, We call that digital body language. As somebody's interacting, you can see what they zoomed in. You can see what they moved out. Yeah. Think heat maps, right? We use heat maps on, on web pages. You can kind of do that with a product. See if they're looking at stitching. If your value prop is the stitching and they're not looking at the stitching, something's wrong. So it's, it's creating that conversation, but it's creating a dialogue with marketers on how to really create not only better products, supply chain downstream, proactive supply chain, but also, again, that brand storytelling.
1: Yeah. Okay. So this gets into the the rebranding, right? Because you started on this made-to-order, focusing on a, a made-to-order industry, realized, I guess, that the bigger opportunity was for the masses. Is that what happened?
0: Yeah, think uh, right technology pointed at the wrong market.
1: Yep, yep, totally.
0: And and what we decided was that brand and that company um, wasn't sustainable. Wasn't sustainable for growth. We wanted to point at a big market. We wanted to set the technology free. To be honest with you, and and, and a web page that has you know hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of traffic per months is a good de- a good way to have those conversations. So we started talking about what is the ethos of that brand? What are the values of that brand? How do the buyers of that technology um, want to feel about that brand? And then we worked with a great group uh, out of out of New York called Tomorrow that is a, that is a commerce agency to really help us construct that. Mm. Happy to dig into that process if you like.
1: Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I've got other questions, but I want to. I want to hear about this.
0: <laughs> uh, okay, good. Um, well, I think you gotta you gotta ask yourself what do we stand for, and what do we not stand for. So you gotta you gotta abstract away all the stuff that you are definitely not, and then and then hone in on the signal of what you think you are, and then it's it's good old fashioned original creativity and, and conversation putting out good ideas and bad ideas and and being in a safe space where you can have those, those good conversations with we, and tomorrow did a really good job of kind of guiding us down the path. And you know, there's, there's light bulb moments and there's frustrating moments, but you gotta, you gotta work on the process. And then when you, when you kind of hit it, you, you know, you've got it. One of the things that we were interested in is the structure of the brand Dopple. hole. We liked the kind of the alliteration there. We wanted to use it as a verb, right? You can doppelize your products. Mm-hmm. And so we, we had some corner pieces or construct boxes to check um, through that process. I'll, I'll let you ask some more questions. I can go deeper, but yeah. Yeah. It's some more.
1: So scaling back and thinking about, um, you know i think that this would be a great conversation to promote as you know it doesn't matter if you're early stage or if you're uh, like well developed and have lots of paying customers there comes a point when you realize like you need to expand out into new marketplaces or new markets and whether it's a complete rebranding or just what would you call it it's horizontal expansion right when you're you're moving into new markets. How do you do that well? And it it seems like two of the things that you did was finding these strategic partners to help you learn a new market. And I felt like there was a second one, but but talk about um, finding those partners and for other like SaaS executives or founders, like how do you find the right partners and, and how do you build a partnership that works for both?
0: Good question. Well, I think my initial thought there is digital partnerships don't know borders, right? We've we've really broken down that. And so uh, actually our first client was out of London. So it it kind of forced us. It was an inbound client. They had a use case, a problem to solve in the furniture industry. And um, that got us thinking that we would, you know, you don't, as a startup, you don't want to deflect inbound interest, right? So you're like, okay, we, we we need to think, we need to think of the global perspective. Although I would say dominant, you know, our portfolio is dominantly North America. Um, how to do that, right? Uh, one, you got to know what your partner needs to look like, either client or partner that you're working with, right? So, what does good look like? Um, what do I know I want, and then what are my known unknown? Mm-hmm. How do I find that information? And I think you got to screen, you got to screen each other. And I think you've got to have, you know, I always think about eight to 10 criteria. How am I going to make the decision first as founders for emotions get involved? How am I going to make the decisions? What are my criteria? What are the boxes to check? Who am I screening against that criteria and how am I scoring that? And then how am I talking with my team about, um, does that reflect, you know our, our values and this, this, this can that partner grow with us
2: mm-hmm.
0: what does that mean for us well one of the pillars is we wanted we wanted partners that were on the cutting edge of innovation you know if you're putting your products on Amazon, you're probably not our ideal customer We want people that that are trying to do something a little different and lean into future proofing their business this is an investment and so a lot of those partners, they're being more pragmatic in their investments. They're consolidating SAS spins. We're arguably going into a tougher market. And so you've got to find partners that want to unlock different glow- growth leathers around 3d. And there's a lot of them, right? There's conversions, there's returns, there's cross-functional utility between design and distribution. Um, and it's kind of a crawl, walk, run strategy. But I think the to the horizontal question, um, you can't be partners with everybody, mm. and I think you've got to have the discipline, which is paradoxical for for startups. Is you got to say no, and you got to know why you're saying no. If you say yes all the time, you will go too horizontal, and you will go too thin really fast, and it will cause confusion in your organization. Um, as you go horizontal, say okay, we're horizontal, but we're going in in this market, so. Let me bring it back to the example. Furniture industry. That was a market we knew we could deliver on. Yes, they were in London. Yes, they're our first customer, but it's just a time change. I think you have to be very disciplined on how you're making decisions as you try to as you try to scale globally and deliver that brand experience globally.
1: I know the other thing I was thinking about was, I mean, this was really just finding product market fit, right? Like you, you started in one market realized that there was not scalability, pivoted to another market. And then once you knew that there was product market fit and you found the right partners to really help you, that's when you started figuring out the messaging to show it, right? But what makes you unique in this case is that you're one of the first, right? So you're not not moving into a market where people are already aware of this need Yeah. talk about the education of this.
0: So I think we talk a lot about product market fit. Yeah. Uh, but we reverse a little bit. We look at the market and fit the product. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So in that we looked at what, what in the market is our total target market? Who are the segments we want to serve? And, It's the whole faster horse. If they're looking for faster horses and you're selling automobiles, then you've got to diagnose what they're really solving. What are you trying to solve? Well, I'm getting from point A to point B. So for us, they're investing in commerce, right? Or they're investing in in a way to decrease costs against photography or the better way to, to show their product. So you talk about what are you trying to solve in your business? And then you need to relate that problem to your solution as an option to them. So they're, they're the market, the, the market, Mr. Market is can be ferocious at times, right? You've got to meet the market and you've got to make a bet, calculated bet on delivering its expectations, which creates education, right? Which creates execution of deals, which creates market awareness of what you're offering. So yes, 3D has been around for a while, uh, but the understanding and utility of 3D it's still very early stages.
1: So how is it going? Like, let, let's put this on a timeline. Like, When did you start moving into this market? Where are you now?
0: Good question. So the I call it the store. Our, our storefront, our digital storefront, the website launched in September. Okay. So you know, we're roughly into March, so almost eight months, right? Seven, eight months. We recently closed our 15th customer. Nice. And that, that seems to be accelerating. Um, yeah. we, had an, we had an event starting point. We, we spun out of a company. So we we hit it pretty hard. And by that, I mean, we just didn't build a product. We built a platform out of the mm-hmm. gate, which there's pros and cons to that. <laughs> um, you know, you got to kind of land a product and expand into a platform. But we wanted to be where the hockey puck is going. And we felt that a platform long term would differentiate us. And what I mean by platform is once you've invested in 3D, it's not just commerce, right? Mm. It's a digital representation of your product. Some people call it a, a digital twin. So that, that doppelized product, that can be used anywhere your channels are.
2: Mm.
0: What I, what I mean by that? Well, direct mail is still a, a great business. If I've configured a product online... And I know Justin likes the black matte bike, right? I can take that information and do one-to-one marketing through direct mail because it's the representation of the product. Billboards. The, the platform is really to serve commerce first, but there's, there's layers or perpetual leverage is a word I like to use for 3D into the future.
1: And... With each of these customers, I mean, these are true partnerships. This isn't just plug and play stuff. I'm assuming that you're learning a lot about creating the right tool set for each to succeed.
0: Absolutely. If you were to pull open the hood of the platform, it's a suite of connected tools. Mm -hmm. Um, That suite of connected tools is an end-to-end workflow. Um, And we talk about the job to be done. At every point, and then the pathway that job completed has to travel. What's he talking about? It's collaboration. If the center of the experience is the digital product, then you've got marketing teams, you got sales teams, you have design teams, you have product teams, you got IT teams that are global.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. All those groups have to meet in a network effect, right? Remember that, mm-hmm. that that playback to, to Tumblr in the creator market? Well, all these people function as creators to deliver that brand experience, that experience creation, to the front end of their digital storefront, the website. You know, the connected tools are the job that Justin has to complete for that day, but the job that Justin also needs to communicate to uh, Patrice as I pass off that work. Now, where are we going? That collaboration will not always be human to human. mm mm-hmm. Humans to machines will interact, right? So I talked about that conversation with products. We also have the ability to have conversations with, you know, generative AI, right? The helper, right? The assistant, the the person that amplifies my intelligence instead of artificial more amplification. So in that tool set, I want to be able to easily access that tool, but I want to go from a early user. To an experienced user. And that education curve can be fueled through tutorials, AI, collaboration, and communication.
1: Yeah, it's really an experience suite, which can grow in so many directions, depending on the experiences needed per customer, per audience, it seems like.
0: If you distill it, it is around communication of your product,
1: mm-hmm.
0: generating demand, and then thinking about where to di- distribute it. For sure. If you've ever seen a iPhone on a billboard, that was a 3D phone. Mm. That,
2: mm-hmm.
0: That's a 3D render that's in, in two dimensions. So you're seeing it a lot more than you think, you just don't know it.
1: Cool. Last question. You ramped really quickly. It seems like you know, pivot and jump. What advice do you have for other founders who are expanding into new markets or needing to escalate quickly based on the demand that they're seeing? What helps put a younger company or a younger market into overdrive? Hmm.
0: What I have seen work really well is to have great conviction, but you can't have blinders around that conviction. So you've got to be you've got to be somewhat flexible and adapting, but what works is not saying yes. It's about being disciplined and being decisive on what your beachhead is going to be, and how you're gonna how you're gonna penetrate that market. There's a lot of good stories Zappos, Airbnb, about being scrappy, right, and and doing whatever it took. It takes what it takes is a it's a great book, um, Ben Horowitz, but. It does in the beginning, right? You're you're clawing tooth and nail. And I think you gotta be really planned and persistent. And then once you get that niche and traction, then you can really get into building the bigger it. What I mean by that, there's a lot of quick, cost effective ways to test your assumptions about the market without spending a lot of money. Information is basically free. And you know, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, people used to say go to the library. Now you've got the library of God at your fingertips. So you can kind of find out um, what you need to do, and then you need to get good people around you that can challenge each other in penetrating. That's a vector. It's force plus direction and not doing everything, being disciplined and deciding and acting ruthlessly. That seems to work for us, and I've I've seen it work in the past. That That would be my advice.
2: Who are you
1: interested in talking to? Um, and how should they reach out?
0: You, you, uh, I've been interested in talking <laughs> to you. Yeah, listen, we, we're we open to having conversations with anybody um, that wants to talk about 3D in the community. There is there is a a tide that is rising that's going to increase all ships. So if you're interested in 3D, if you're interested in the 3D utility and specifically how bringing together organizations or departments in your organization can, can go around 3D. We're happy to talk to you. Um, if you want to make more money in commerce, we want to make more money with you. Uh, <laughs> right. So, so brands that have a story to tell, um, we want to have those conversations. I'm easy to find, right? I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn. My email is is justin at doppel.io. Uh, justin Scott for the LinkedIn crowd, and check out our website. You can do a lot of self education there. If you don't go with Doppel, you should definitely learn about 3D.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks for the story. This was fascinating.
0: Yeah, thank you. I enjoyed talking to you.
1: This podcast is brought to you by Fastbring. As a leading merchant of record payment platform for SaaS and software, Fastbring lets you reduce your payments, subscriptions, entitlements, fulfillment, and tax management stack all down to one. We manage all the hard parts of transacting globally, allowing you to focus on moving your business farther, faster.
2: To learn more, visit fastspring.com.